should we do the damn thing? <laughs> all right, all right. Welcome everybody to Silicon Zombies. And here you will find the best brains in the bay. Every week we uncover hidden truths and spark new epiphanies as we connect live with brilliant innovators, thinkers, and entrepreneurs. It's Tuesday, September 13th. My name is Nick Larson, serial entrepreneur and ambitious beach bum. I'm joined by Mr. Peter Wang, head of TikTok for Intel, and the brilliant Sharon Byers, publisher at Silicon Valley Magazine. As always, audience participation is encouraged. First and foremost, I want to thank our sponsor, Nicodex, your remote team for software development. Uh, you know, these guys have done a, a wonderful job working with our community, specifically Matt Lenster with Bizinta and some other folks as well. Uh, so if you're building a product, be it a mobile application or a website or something internal, visit nicodex.com. That's N-E-C-O-D-E-X.com. Uh, today we are discussing the beautiful world of energy and education and transportation and how these things are becoming more accessible and in the future, potentially free or close to it. So super jazzed to have Musa Dow, who is a regular on this show. He's the CEO of a company called Paytripa. That's P-A-Y-T-R-I-P-P-A.com. And they are making transportation free. Yes, that's right. Free transportation. So Musa, thank you so much for, for joining us in the show and, and welcome to Silicon Zombies. Thank you very much, Nick, for having me. It's a pleasure to, and honor to be here with you and everyone. So thank you very much, everyone, for taking the time of your day uh, to join us. Looking forward to having a great conversation this afternoon. Fantastic, fantastic. So, Musa, you have such a, you have such a fascinating background. You're, you're a full-stack engineer. Uh, you've worked at a couple of the biggest names. You, you, in fact, you were the first... Uh, you're the first salesman at, at Amazon Web Services, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, back in October 2007. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Yeah. So, yeah, so you, you've got a, a really impressive career, both from a founder perspective and also working in, in, the, in the corporate tech space. Um, help us understand, how, how did you get your start? What, what, uh, what really gets you going? Well, my origin and my motivation was first um, to help my family. My mom and dad um, wasn't doing well. My mom was a hustler uh, like I am. So wow. never worked for anyone. Was doing farming, was doing transportation. And so that kind of really from very young age, I've always been motivated to succeed so that I can find a way to help them. So I was going to school a lot. Uh, Initially, I wasn't really, really that good at it, although I love going to school. But I think I figured later that was a system that was kind of classic, you know, making it a little harder on me. But yeah, that's kind of, you know, one of my motivation really to initial motivation to succeed. But I, I don't know, I've always been driven. You know, I always have these very massive dreams. People always told me I'm a dreamer, so you dream too much. Even when I, was, <laughs> I remember telling people, that, and that's true story. My mom, she's sitting in Africa in a cooking spot, you know, even figure out how to buy food. And I go tell her, I'm going I'm to go to U.S., you know. She's like, don't worry, you're going to go to U.S. Everybody ahead of us like, how are you going to get there, right? So, uh, true, I've always, always, always have a big dreams, always have big goals and work extremely hard to try to achieve them. Yeah, so. I, I love that. You know, I... And I'm, I'm not just saying this, Musa. I, I've gotten the chance to meet all different shapes and sizes of entrepreneurs in, in my career, and, and and you're one of my favorites, man. Like you're you you hustle. You have like this this natural contagious smile. You're a community builder. You're an engineer, which is something I don't have. Um, and and you have this innate ability to to push through and accomplish your goals. Um, in, in fact, before we kind of dive into things. Can, can you share uh, can you share a quick story of, about how you you managed to close uh, NYU uh, with, with that without a product? Yes, <laughs> that, 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 that was interesting. Yeah, that was back in 2013. I was working at Salesforce at that time. Again, I was the one of the first uh, 
AE to focus on education for Salesforce. I think in 2010, Salesforce decided to go after the nonprofit and education market, but most of the business was really nonprofit. So education wasn't really any business at all. So uh, when they decided to have a special focus on education, I always love education. I'm passionate of education. I believe in education like nothing else, right? I probably first believe in education. I am a product of education, yeah. if I can say it that way. But that's the only reason I can be in the U.S. and speaking with you if it's not for education. Huh. So, and when they say, hey, we want to join that team to start selling the product to education, I was like, of course, I can do it. So I started working at Salesforce, trying to sell this new product to education. Salesforce didn't really have a product for the education market. So the vision for us, what really we're doing a vision sales, if you think about it. So we pretty much go into the education institution to say, hey, you know what, we're doing really well with Salesforce for CRM, for Coca-Cola, Mercedes, and all these big companies. They're using Salesforce to manage entire customer life cycle from lead all the way to support. If you think about it, the students are almost the same thing. Your students are your customers, right? So why not use Salesforce to get provide the same experience to a student? So that was a vision sell. So I really got really great at selling the vision, uh, but there were some challenges because the platform was not ready for education. So yeah, it's you telling these customers to use Salesforce platform for manage customer life cycle, student life cycle. But everything is about customer, organization, companies, and so forth. So if a company choose to use Salesforce, they have three options. One, they need to customize it themselves. Uh, two, they need to bring a consulting company to do the customization. And third option was they need to find a company, a SMV, a Salesforce partner who has already customized Salesforce for the education market. So most of my customers are really good at selling closing a deal, but most of my customers love the third option because usually they didn't have enough resources to be able to do a customization themselves so long story short i found that opportunity i left salesforce and started uh, success uh, soft profile yeah and the, the goal was that soft profile is to create the same user experience at uh, nyu yeah. And it was at the time nyu they were also using believe it or not the nyu school of medicine they were using some pretty pretty archaic system file managers so they really have no pretty much a bunch of silos so i started that conversation with them selling them my vision or what we wanted to do what i wanted to do with them so we get to a point where i had to close the deal we're having some discussions so you know what i put about my flight i was happening was october 2013 or 2014 flew to new york showed them my deck what i'm gonna build and then i was able to sign a contract so i come up with uh um one of my largest contracts, I think it was 50000 No, actually it was 100000 $33,000 a year. And this was the Stern School of Business or was this a different opportunity? Uh, for which one? For, for the for the one, for the 150000 uh project. No, that was another different one. Wow. The NYU was 100000 three years. I think it was $33,500 a year uh, for NYU School of Medicine. Wow. And, and so you just, you flew out there, you had a face to face, right. walk us through what, what was that? What was it like when you walked in the room where you thought to yourself, well, I don't have a product yet, but you, you somehow managed <laughs> I mean, to leave with a purchase order. That's, that's pretty badass. Right. Right. Well, if, if you think of, if you think about sales, sales is almost like a science, right? So you go through, it's a process. And if you follow the process really well, uh, ultimately, you're going to get the deal closed. I mean, there are a lot of things that you don't control. But I think I've done a lot of work. Uh, I've built a relationship. I have my sponsor. That sponsor was telling me exactly the challenge we're having over there and the opportunity to the signers or what the challenge they're having. So I kind of understand. I understood really, really well what was going on over there. Uh, for every department, every player in the rooms, I knew what the challenge was, we're looking for to achieve, what the vision was. I know for all of them, they have one common goal. They wanted to better streamline the, the process for students. So meaning, for instance, for some of the big challenges, for instance, is that if you are a, a medical student, you go to a process, you graduate, you go to your internship or 
it's not an internship, but called a residency. Yeah. Right. So you get a residency, you get followed by teachers, and that teacher had to grade you. So you work for them for a certain period of time. So all that process was silos. Right. So if and we think about NYU, like how many departments, how many students, how many student residencies. So who's a supervisor? There is a reporting need for them to be able to report to a supervisor. To So there is a lot of processes that need to be followed. I think I did a good job trying to show them the vision that how we're going to help them manage that process uh, seamlessly. Uh, OK, OK. Make I, everybody I, have life easier. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting, too, I because mean, when you're doing proper discovery and that's like the first part of the sales process is really understand yes. the pain points so you can you know quote unquote twist the knife later to to get them to act you can take those problem statements and turn them into goals and if they feel that you have control or if they feel that you you truly understand their challenges and you can map them clearly back to solutions um and and kind of walk them through that that plus third-party validation I mean, that's probably, you're over half the way there. Exactly. And you have to understand that, um, you know, customer trust is extremely important in sales, right? So you have to try to get that trust. They have to trust you that you understand the, like, the problem, like you said, and you have a vision to be able to create a better solution for them than where they are. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I usually really well when I'm doing sales, I'm not necessarily focusing on what the customer want to do, but I start to focus, like you said, the problem they're trying to solve and how all these problems link to each other. How can I create a better world for them with my solution? Mm -hmm. And often I'm bringing to them solutions they even didn't think about, right? So I say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? So what if your challenge? So I think that's kind of, we get to a point where they really, really trust me that um, no matter what solution I'll bring to them, it'd be a better solution for them than what they have and mm. other vendors as well. I see, I see. And and so the the talk uh, the talk today is is the the future is almost free. And help us understand like what is what is the future of energy hold? I mean, it's it's particularly poignant given the the socio political problems with with Russia being responsible for the lion's share of of energy in Europe and, you know, they're, they're asking for, well, anyway, anyways, what, what are your thoughts are on the future of, of energy? Um, in fact, I think I'm, I'm bullish about the future of energy. I think energy is getting to a point where it's going to be um, free or close to free or really cheap. If you can think about it. I think if you look at all this crisis, whether it's Russia, the war, the first war in Iraq or the other war in 71, and the U.S. Iran war. So what happened is there is a spike in price of energy, and after that spike of the price of energy, there is a lot of change in the market in terms of whether it is um, is finding a new source of energy, uh, finding a new way to extract energy, and everything tends to get better. But and before one of the primary goals of energy was pretty much economic growth, right? Most of these countries that has a lot of oil and control most of the energy in the world. The main purpose, of the first goal was only to get uh, more economic growth. So there were no thinking about the environment. And for the country also that was consuming this energy as well, they also had the big, uh, it was all about growth of the market, growth of the industry, growth of the country, GDP growth and so forth. But what happened lately, we've seen a lot of change in that with the environment, with greenhouse gas. Um, so. We've seen that a lot of ways of people saying, hey, you know what, uh, that energy that used to be our friend is actually a good friend, but also has a lot of bad side of it, you know. Mm. And the bad side of it is uh, climate change, it's food safety, uh, it's cost of living, especially for the people who don't have it. You know, it comes from Africa, for instance. I mean, think about the cost of energy, how, how high it is, right? So we extract oil, we send it outside, they refine it, and they send it back to us. 10 times the price. So, and wow. so that current source of energy is not really sustainable. Yeah. So I think uh, with a lot of investment and regulation as well, uh, start to start to think about other ways to use energy. So uh, the only goal of energy was no longer to grow, but now you have to think about energy, you have to think about climate change, you have to think about food safety. And now regulations have changed a little bit. And as a result, we've seen to get to a point where a lot of investment was made to other sorts of other types of energy, 
right? So that's why if you look at the world in Russia right now, you know, yes, we went through a process. We're still going through a process where the cost of energy is pretty high. But I think the good thing about it is that most consumers start to think about and consider other choice or option for energy. So whether it's solar, wind, hydrogen for cars, there are many, many sources. And especially if you come to cars, in a car we're only talking about electrical, electric and hybrid. But really, there are natural gas, there are hydrogen, there are many, many options as well for, for, uh, for consumer. And all those options will kind of create democratization of the energy. So when you really mean democratization, you really mean at the end, users have more choices than one, right? Oh, you don't have okay. to be... That's, that, that's really where the democratization comes from. And the more we use this diverse source of energy, you're going to put pressure on the price of those commodities, like solar and so forth. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I, I recently heard about uh, the mobile uh, mobile energy unit that uh, has both solar and foldable wind turbines, and yes. they can show up to places that have maybe there's been like a, a, a like a natural disaster where there's no infrastructure, but they still have a need for for uh, for energy, right? So so be able to have spin up these local. Uh, mobile centers for, for, for energy, I think is super fascinating. You know, we actually have uh, Mr. Zeka Len, who is a, an investor in the impact uh, and in and green tech space as well. So Zeka, if at some point during the, during the chat here, you want to raise your hand, we'd be happy to have you up and, and hear a little bit what you think about the space. Um, and, and while we're, while we're waiting for that, uh, Musa, help us understand a little bit more about why you think the, the democratization of transportation is going to be impactful in the future? Yeah, so if, if you think about energy first, if you, energy really is, is three components. You have generation, transportation, and distribution. So generation is hard, is expensive. Transportation and distribution has, has high and expensive Right? So often that's a problem when you go to third world countries like Ivory Coast and those other countries. A lot of time, transportation and distribution become a main problem because you have villages that sit pretty much you know, 50 kilometers or 100 kilometers next to the next power station. How do you transport energy over there? So with solar, you don't have to deal with that. Right? So again, now you're solving one of the biggest challenges. So by, by removing the transportation, so pretty much you're generating, you're distributing, you're transporting, you're distributing in one places. So I think that will have a lot of effects. So in my village and some other village in Ivory Coast, I hear people say all the time now they have fridge at home. I say, how did you get fridge at home? They have a solar panel, you know, on top of it. They have TV, they have light, they can just put a lot of this. So I think it's going to help a lot, of, especially a lot of these third world country with it. Now, coming to transportation as well, with a uh, with a new motor new motor energy like electrical um, hydrogen and natural gas for instance what's going to happen is uh, the cost of gas going to come down pretty pretty cheap right if the cost of gas come down pretty cheap the cost of transportation going to come down really cheap as well because if you think about it, most of your money in transportation people spend a lot of money in the price of gas putting gas in the car every day. Mm. So um, with the price of gas coming down, all these electric cars coming down, I think it's going to make it really, really cheap. And also people at home, more people are trying to invest in, in solar and other form of ele electricity at home. So you are now generating your own gas station. You only put gas into your own car, right? So uh, you can not only put the solar power to a solar, solar system at home for your own electrical need for your household need, but you can also use the same source as well to put in your car. Or you can do your same put if you have a lawn mower, you can put in that. So all of a sudden you are almost disconnected from the whole system. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that yeah. kind of gives you more so, power as a consumer. So so you, you gave a couple examples from a macro perspective, but but what about uh, what about market research? I mean this is like a seventy six billion dollar market that's doubled since two thousand eight. And Paytripa is innovating the space to uh, give free transportation in exchange for what is it feedback or or data on products and services? Help help us understand how Paytripa works. 
Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, this, I think, uh, the cheap cost of energy and with Petropa will make it easier for Petropa to provide free transportation to all, meaning the cost of mobility, the cost of ride share, the cost of taxi, the cost of your bus will come down. And if it come down with Petropa. So at Petropa, what we're doing, we're allowing uh, consumers to try to turn high or time they have inside the ride share car or when they're moving from point A to point B, we want to turn that time into cash and reward. So you think about it, you get into the Uber or Lyft or any kind of mode of transportation and you go in that, you have 5, 10, 15 minutes depending on where you're going. So we're trying to find businesses that want to buy your times and there is a lot of things that are making perfect time for that right now. I think one of them is... Um, all the privacy laws around controlling user access to user data is getting much more challenging for businesses to reach out to the right target on LinkedIn and Facebook and all these social media platforms. So businesses are looking for a new way to engage with consumers more, much more effectively. But with Petripa, we allow him business to do just that because Petripa is a consent-based platform, meaning the user allows us to be able to target them based on specific um, need of a partners. And the way Petrupa works is uh, Petrupa tells us uh, we allow business to target based on multiple things first. It can be direction and it can be zone. So meaning you can have United Airlines saying, hey, I'm trying to sponsor someone living San Francisco Terminal 3 coming to downtown um, San Francisco. And that's a direction. Meaning they just came from United. They want to find out how, how the, the trip went. Mm. So in that case, it can just be a market research and consumer insight and feedback. Right? So you come in and United say, hey, Musa, I want to sponsor your trip. And if you say yes, they give you a survey. You complete that survey and you get a cash. Right? So a Delta airline can do the same thing. They can also target people coming from United. So Get into your Uber again, you enter your destination, Delta can sponsor your trips. So if you accept, you watch um, a 30-second video or one-minute video about Delta Airline, how they're better than United, and then they also give you cash at the end. So that's what, So there are two ways to target. You can target based on direction, and you can do also zoning as well, meaning zoning, you can enter a specific address, and you can target people within a radius or that specific area. Of course, there is other way of segmentation, meaning age, um, job, you know, sex, all those kind of segmentation can happen into the system as well. So, so you're talking like geolocation? And, yes. And, and other, okay, got it. Yeah, Peter, Peter, you got something? Yeah. Uh, hey, Melissa, how's it going? Hey, Peter, how are you doing? Oh, not bad, not bad. So question from a marketing perspective, it sounds like you are making a uh, marketplace platform. So similar, most marketplace platforms, um, it's almost like they have to deal with like a chicken or the egg question, yes. meaning, you know, do they uh, focus on advertising to suppliers first or do they focus on advertising to the demand section first? Uh, do you come across that similar problem? Yes, uh, we did, actually. Uh, I, we went through that process. And the way we tackled that is with focus first on the demand side. So before we started Petrupa first, we did some market research. We engaged with both sides first at a small scale level to try to identify if there is a need for it before we even went ahead and built the platform. But when we did have it, we, we have our initial release, we decided to focus on, on the demand side first. Will the user actually want to use it? So if a user want to use Petrupa, what how they want to use Petrupa? So figure find out people are really, really excited about Petrupa. So find out, hey, this is how people want to use it. These are the type of activity they want to use it. And then we went ahead and we started focus on the supply size now. So for us, what, what we had now, we can do that validation on the demand size. We are going back now on the supply side to try to scale the supply side. Because, you know, it's um, trying to say, I don't know if you physic in your head. It's, it's almost like a sinusoid. You have to go up and down, up and mm. down. Yeah. And so you cannot just go bullish in one side completely high. So you got to go get this side high, the demand side high a little bit, slow down, go to the supply size, increase it. But I think we are in a point now so that we have enough validation on the demand side. We're trying to get large scale supplies so that we can do a lot of more activity and marketing user acquisition to meet that supplies.
Got it. Got it. Thank so you so much. You took, you took the question right out. I, I was about <laughs> to ask you if you were going to go, if, if you're focusing on one side heavily, or are you going to do some sort of like a seesaw effect? So I guess you read my mind and took this exact <laughs> See, See, he can, he can read in the future. But by the way, we've got a, we've got a question from Zeka. Uh, Zeka, please uh, go ahead. Hey, thanks, thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. It's a little windy out here, so I apologize if it, if it doesn't come in clearly. Can you hear me? No, you're good. Oh, great. Yeah. Hey, Nick, how are you? Nice oh. to connect again. Yeah, all right. Yeah, welcome. And Musa. Thank you. And, and Musa, great job. Great job. Thank you. Uh, I'm enjoying this, this discussion. Um, you know, I love what you said about democratization being a choice for individuals. That was wonderful. That, that was great. And I just wonder how you're looking at that through the, the lens of your company right now, other opportunities you may see on the horizon with a similar mindset. Yeah, I think uh, you mean in terms of providing opportunity democratization to try to consumers or Correct. partners? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. No, I, 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 you know, that's, that's what I love about Pichupa and, you know, when I was being success hub and you know, I saw the opportunity on Petrupa. I said, Petrupa is such a great opportunity. I really have to execute on it. And that's uh, on the demands on the user side. That's kind of one of the things we really want to be able to. You want to give user choices, right? Because if, you, if you're if using this other means of being targeted by brand on social media or other form, whether it's TV, you really don't have a lot of choice in terms of uh, what kind of ad you want to, be able to watch what kind of market research people just bombard thing on you and you really don't have a choice on Petrupa, we want to be able to give user 100 percent choice number one they have a choice to choose to be part of our community at Petrupa, we really think about it as a community the second we want to be able to give them a choice to say hey you know what i only want to be targeted by sport-based marketing i'm not interested in the food right so I don't want to get into weight loss stuff. Don't send me that to me. So you really always have to give them choices as well at, at, at that level. So uh, another way we're trying to give them choice, choice on the feedback, right? So we want to be able to use it to say, hey, you know what? I actually have, go. if you think about the way market research tend to work, the brand tend to come to a user and seek for your feedback. What if I already have my feedback about my experience flying at United instead of sending that, through some kind of forum, whatever, I have that and I can let United know, hey, I have that feedback. So you pay me a certain amount of money and I share that feedback with you. So, you know, instead of being initiated by United, now it can be initiated by the users, right? So again, that's another way, again, we kind of empowering the user. So there is a lot of way we can empower the user. Even for the brand as well, I mean, there are so many ways we can empower the brand to engage with consumers much more effectively. Lisa, this is Sharon. Um, you know, one thing that makes people the most successful when they're building a company is the team they assemble. And looking at your website, you assembled quite the team. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you pulled your team together and what you were looking for. Um, you know, and, and how that just kind of came to be. Good. That's great. So I think uh, my initial team together are looking for people who are entrepreneurs. Don't care if you have 50 year experience, you got, you're just out of school, looking at people who have really, really driven, have core entrepreneurial skill set. And especially when it comes to founders and co-founders, uh, I was really looking for someone who really, really understands what the life of an entrepreneur. Right? It's not an easy life. It's not a job. It's not a nine to five. It's a mixed job. And also someone it can also compliment me. Right. So in fact, for Nana, Nana and I, for example, my co-founder, um, Nana and I met through an education project we were doing in Africa about how to improve uh, education. That's how we met Nana and I first met. So while we met, I was also starting my process look for a co-founder. I have an Excel sheet and what I was looking for, so forth. And one, it just came to me when I spoke to Nena about uh, Petrupa first, her excitement about Petrupa. Because to me, that was very important, your, her first impression. She got really excited about Petrupa. She started throwing out all those stuff. I said, hmm, that might be interesting. <laughs> but while I was going through the process, I, I came, it came to me that Nena met pretty much Nena is the person that I was looking for. Right? So, 
I already was talking to her about some other project. It became now trying to convince her to join me. So that was challenging. It was hard because she has some other thing in the table, but it eventually came through. And for the rest of the team, it's, it's, it's the same thing. So I was looking for, even for software developers, I'm not necessarily looking for the best Java code writers or the best designers, but is this someone, if I bring an idea to do a design, is the designer going to say, hey, you know what, what about this? Have you thought about this, right? So who are your users? So the user, is he going to put himself in the shoe of a user to try to create a better experience, a better product for the user? That's very important to me. Same thing for the developers as well. I don't want a backend developer who's just going to come and write code. I want a backend developer who's going to come and help and build a company. Right, just always thinking about the consumer. And that's some, something I'm always thinking about. So as I bring new things, especially at this early stage, I'm looking for builders. Amazing, and you're certainly a builder. <laughs> um, so I have this picture in my head of you like being in a cab, maybe in Vegas, and you see the screen in the back seat, and that's where your pay trip idea came from. What's the truth? Like, where did that light bulb kind of go over your head and the idea actually come from? Can you identify that moment? Right. So, uh, multiple moments. And I was, that you taking me to tell my life another story. Um, I, I drove, I was a ride riders when I was doing my other startups. I think one year I made close to 100,000 driving Uber in San Francisco. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> I gave, uh, 15,000 trips uh, on both Uber and Lyft, a lot of ride. And I was doing all that at night and weekend, my side hustle to make money. You know, it's entrepreneur life in San Francisco, we're all doing something on the side. And we think that I was doing was hustling on the side. I like to think about it, raising one money, one trip at a time. So I was thanking my riders for, you know, helping me raise my money, build my company. So the thing that really came to me is many things. People get into the car, uh, they're going somewhere. Most of the time, they're not doing anything. And so they're even talking to the driver, we're doing whatever. But a lot of time, what's really got into me when many of, I'll probably say 20% of people riding in San Francisco struggle to pay for the ride. So that's what's really start to come out like, wow, this is interesting. This guy or girl or sir come to this car, I gave him to one ride, and he didn't do nothing at the end, at the end of the ride. He still figured out how to pay for the trip. How do I know that? Because we get very picky about direction, right? And they call Uber a lot to have Uber return the money to them. And Uber and Lyft, they don't ask questions. If someone called to say, hey, this guy missed my exit, bam, they take the money out of your pocket and give it to them. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, and that's how it works. That's the life of a Uber rider, uh, a Uber driver, by the way. So uh, that was one moment when I started to ask people if they wanted to do something for that time. Um, I think the, my director people say yes, and they wanted to do. But another another thing happened while I was doing that is that Uber and Lyft both canceled my account, right? So all of a sudden, you can no longer go on Uber and Lyft because your account has been canceled. So we um, had to figure out something to do for riders. So it, it wasn't really for me at this stage, but I just said, you know, we need to come up with something to kind of help um, drivers in this sense. So one of the ideas that I came across, um, not came across that I was already working on was Petripa, meaning creating an application to kind of help drivers and riders mix together. That's how Pichipa came about. So it's kind of is a combination of things. That's so cool. That's so cool. And it sounds like you're using gamification or um, it, you're incentivizing the drivers too. Like, like give us a breakdown if, if you can of, of what the metrics look like. So if somebody's taking a, a 15 minute ride which normally would cost $10, who gets what and, and how does it work? So yeah, so someone get a trip, um, you get sponsored, the sponsor pay us, we take a cut and we give a cut to the user. So right now that cut is 40, 60. So we take 40 and we use it to 60. And out of that as well, we're using the users, other drivers has 
a source of new uh, riders. So we work with drivers so that driver can refer us users. For each user they refer us, they can get even $1, $2 for each referral. So for every ride, if you get into the car and the driver tell you about Petripar, so we have, that's called the affiliate programs. So the driver are part of the affiliate program, network or affiliate to help us get new users into the platforms. Wow. But that money is coming out of our that marketing. That's kind of our marketing cost of user acquisition. I see, I see. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, why not? Like if, if you can use these, these drivers to, uh, to expand the visibility, put some money into their pockets, it's a, it's a win-win. Yes. Okay. Because so, people believe it or not, most riders don't give you any tips, right? I think uh, as, as a driver with a lot, lot of fight with Uber and Lyft, to a lot of taping, but, you know, still it doesn't happen. With Petripa, uh, they're guaranteed to get tips. And, and the way driver look at it, uh, you have your main Uber income, ride share income, but we have a lot of more expenses uh, associated with driving Uber whether it's cleaning car, buying coffees, a lot of coffees, a lot of food, as little Petripa, we feel like for drivers, we can help them generate enough income to be able to at least meet some of those uh, secondary needs, like food and coffee. Mm, I see. Yeah, I'm, I, I just love what you said about, uh, you said it was like raising money one trip at a time. That's like, that's, that is so humble and hardworking and, and, uh, just like you, you, you get it. That's like you, you see the vision and you're getting closer and closer each time. That's such a cool thing. So at, at the core, you're, you're gathering data, you're recording data, you're analyzing. It's like qualitative and quantitative or what is, what is the experience for the rider like? They, they get in the car and, and they open the Paytripa app, which is, by the way, that's P-A-Y-T-R-I-P-P-A.com for anybody in the audience that's, that wants to check out the site. So what is that? What is that? How does it work, Musa? Yeah, sure. So I'm gonna answer a quick question first. You asked about quantitative versus qualitative. I think initially uh, the Petripa survey uh, were focused more on quantitative, but we just started adding some qualitative uh, features with our new features called video capture. That's the qualitative features, and we're gonna be expanding, and that will allow us to do some machine learning. Um, artificial intelligence analyzing U.S. sensitive, you know, people's sensitivities, and so we can really get a lot of good data out of that. But the way Petrupa works, so right now Petrupa is a fully standalone app, so we are not integrated yet with Uber and Lyft. So when we first started Petrupa, we tried to do that, but they closed the API, so we couldn't have that integration. But I think. Uh, in hindsight, that was a good idea because it allows us to build a full experience app ourselves without Petripa, without Uber and Lyft. So users have to download the Petripa app. They can go to Google Play or App Store. Now you can type Petripa, you can download the app. So once you sign up, you get into your Uber or Lyft. In fact, you can do it before you even get into your Uber or Lyft. Mm. You enter your destination again, where you're going. So once you enter your destination, you can click Start and Petripa's uh, matching algorithms start to run. And based on where you're going and the requirement for the partners, we can match with a sponsor. If you find a sponsor, we tell you, hey, Nick, United Airlines want to sponsor your trips. So if you say yes, we tell you what you want to do, what's, what, what, what's the activity. In this case, the activity can be take a survey. So if you say yes, you continue the survey, you start answering the survey. Or if it's a video, you watch a video. So you have to fully complete the activity with Petrupa. So if it's a five-minute video or one-minute video, you have to fully watch it. And then at the end, then you get your reward. So if you go into the airport to downtown San Francisco, which is about 20, 25 minutes, depending on traffic, or you can be longer. So the algorithm also asks you at the end of the first sponsorship, we ask you if you want to do another sponsorship because your trip is not yet completed. So we have a Google Map API built inside the app, and also the car has to be moving for you to be matched with a sponsor. So meaning if you are standing in one place, you're not going to be matched with a sponsor. Only when the car is moving, we get matched with a sponsor. Wow. So you can do as many sponsorships until you get to your destination. And once you arrive at your destination, we kind of synthesize, we tell you all the, how much you have earned. And that earning goes into your Petripa wallet. 
So once you get into your Petripa wallet, you can then convert it, take it from there to put into your bank account. Wow. So it, it sounds like the closed integration was maybe a, a, a blessing in disguise then, huh? Yes, I, I, absolutely. In fact, uh, we're really happy we did not integrate earlier. And then we'll be tied up to only one platform. But now you can see what happened, right? So going back to what we we're saying about the cost of energy. So all these autonomous cars all have electric cars, cost it pretty damn cheap and low. Now we can integrate with Waymo, we can integrate with Cruise, we can integrate with Zoox. So we're kind of monitoring all those APIs. Uh, as soon as the APIs are open, we'll be one of the first ones to integrate with them. So through our app, you can call Uber, you can call Lyft, or you can call Waymo, you can call Zook. So, you know, what you really want to be able to do is a couple of things. One, we want to make sure uh, people have access to all sort of transportation, right? So uh, you come into the airport, you know, yeah. from international trip, you got two big luggage, it can't fit in UberX. You need a UberXL car. But maybe with Petrupa, you can do some sponsorship to help you complement that so that you can get more, right? So uh, you want to go to work you late, you want to take a bus, but you can't really take a bus because you might be late. Now with Petripa, you can get into a Uber or Lyft to get to work. And so really we want to be a provider to provide free transportation and provide everyone access to all sorts of transportation. Wow. And, and think about think about folks that uh, maybe maybe abroad where they, they can't afford a ride to the hospital if there's an, an accident or somebody's sick. But all of a sudden, you're giving them the opportunity to to fill something out and give some product feedback or service feedback, and all of a sudden, they're getting free transportation, and exactly when they need. Uh, uh, absolutely. And um, when I was a Uber driver, I did a Uber ambulance multiple times, where I pick up riders and they're going to hospital and emergency rooms. Right? I pick up pregnant women. I pick up very hale senior citizen going to, uh, especially on Gary Street, there is an hospital over there. So that was very popular destination for many of them. Yes, with Petripa, for instance, because then what we have, I was looking at the Uber API last time, figure out that you can actually integrate uh, Petripa wallet APIs into Uber. So we're going to start testing that one as well. So if you are able to have Petripa as a payment option for Uber, now if you have $20, $30 on your Petripa account, so if you need to take an Uber for emergency, now you can use Petrupa for that, right. right? So, so you don't. So that's kind of what we really want to do. The Petrupa wallet, our vision for Petrupa wallet is really to be the transportation payment solution, right? So the money you earn on Petrupa, you can use it for reserve, like you reserve your saving account, your emergency account. So, um, if you need to do it for one of those scenarios, absolutely, you can use Petrupa for. How cool. So, so we got about 15 minutes left in the show. I, I want to give an opportunity for anybody in the audience that then wants to hop up on the stage, maybe ask some questions for Musa. Um, you know, feel feel free to do that. And while we're waiting for that, Musa, you, you must have some pretty cool stories up your sleeve of just you know crazy folks that you picked up or or interesting <laughs> rides that you gave. Can can you share uh, can you share a fun story or two? Dude, I have, I have a lot of crazy stories, man. Make sure they're make uh, sure they're uh, uh, G-rated here, Musa. <laughs> no, I, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I picked up this guy one time in San Francisco on Polk Street. I think he has to be Polk on California or Polk or Pine, one of these areas. And he was going to the Mercer area. This guy, I don't know what he was, what he drank, but this guy was, you know, he really didn't know what he was doing. The guy get into the car and all he was doing the entire trip hit his head against the dash. Right? Oh, wow. I literally know <laughs> what he was doing. He just keep hitting it, hitting his head, hitting heads. For about 30 minutes, that's what the guy was doing. Right. So when I was doing also Uber, I I did not like to push people outside the car if I knew they don't they're not in control of themselves. Uh, I tried to help them. Right, so I put him in front. I couldn't put him in the back because he came right in front. He came to sit in front. He put his seat back, and that's all he was doing. Wow. So that was that, that was that was pretty scary. I thought it was gonna hurt himself, but when we get there, he got out of the car and he went into his dorm room. There is another scenario, and that that's that's a sad one. But 
you know, you always need to have someone you trust in your network. Believe me, you do. Pick up this girl, two girls, one time in San Francisco on Columbus, around 2 a.m. in the morning. So they went to hustle distributing these flowers. I think it might be one of these Red Bull flowers into this bar or nightclub in San Francisco. And they park in the wrong way. In San Francisco, you cannot park in Columbus, uh, those area at night. They tow your cars. So they tow the car, they took the cars on branch or somewhere. And now they had to pay around $500 to get the car. The girl did not have money. Both of them did not have money. So she called friend. No friend was there to help. She called mom. Mom and dad were not living together. Mom could not help. She called dad. Dad would not pick up the phone. Man, I, f I literally felt bad. So very crying all this time, man. I, I, I drove there, and this guy was crying so hard. I, I, it, it, was, it was painful to watch, you know? So she called everybody, and one by one, everybody denied. She called, uh, her dad asked her to call a mom boyfriend, because her mom apparently had something. So he called a mom boyfriend. He said he couldn't come. So that was a really sad story. Wow. So once we get there, I literally called Uber, I sent a message to Uber to return the money. It was, I think it was like $55, yeah. something like that. So that was pretty sad. And, well, you're, uh, you know. you're, you're, you're a good man for taking care of, uh, taking care of your friend. The only real responsibility you have is to get them there safely from point A to point B. But it, it sounds like, um, yeah, I'm, it, that, that just speaks to uh, that speaks to your character. You know, um, I believe Sharon is is connected to a, a rideshare question, a, a rideshare company called Alto. Is, is that right, Sharon? Yes, it's Alto. It's uh, kind of a high end rideshare company. Um, that has a lot of safety things built in and really nice vehicles and cool. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I would love to talk to them. You know, I don't know if I have an API, so, but you know, I think that's one of the goal we want to achieve within the next couple of months. I think we'll build a pretty good platform as it is user love it, but you know, we really want to improve the user experience and one way to do that is to have some kind of embedded experience. Um, so that rider within our app, they can call in. Uber, Lyft, Alto, or Cruise, the preferred ride-share platform. So, yeah, we'd love to talk to them and see if there is an opportunity to partner. I'd be happy to make that intro. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Sharon. Um, it, it's interesting, too, Musa, how, I mean, providing free transportation in exchange for product market feedback or product feedback is pretty fascinating in and of itself. But the ability to to change consumer behavior is really just on another level remarkable. So like, for, for example, if somebody, you know, gets in the Uber and they, they put in Starbucks, maybe would you have the ability to have like Pete's coffee or, or Phil's recognize that and, and serve up a sponsored free coffee in addition, uh, if they move their, uh, their destination or how, how would that work? No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we can absolutely do that. So if you already wow. have Phil's coffee, and so they can they can set up to say if someone going to Starbucks. So we want to be we want to sponsor those trips. So yeah, absolutely. So and that's what's very interesting about Petripal. Really, really excited. You know this this change happening in this consumer engagement in general. So it's really change, excited for us in terms of what we can do, how we can better match consumers and change consumer behaviors, right? So, and, and that's happening already. If you look at Web3, crypto, NFT, it's all about empowering users, empowering consumers, right? Petripa fits right into it. In fact, we have a plan to convert our Petripa point. We have a Petripa point system into our platform as well. So we plan to convert that into crypto as well. So get into a little bit into Web3 because I think this is the same movement of Petripa and really empowering the consumers. Wow, how cool! Uh, and and what is the what is the future for Paytrip look like? I mean, I know you've got a like a, a dozen customers, maybe more. Yes, yeah, so I, I think uh, you mean the short term feature or long term? Uh, well, well, both, but also from a technology perspective, because you briefly mentioned sentiment analysis, which I think is pretty fascinating. 
Yes, exactly. I think uh, sentiment analysis, qualitative um, uh, market research is one area that we feel Petrupa we can play. We can innovate a lot because you think about Petrupa, we are kind of, you know, we are in also a data platform, right? So, but we have access to we have access. We'll have access to million and million of users. We'll have access to million of behaviors, how people react into the car. So we'll have access to innovate, add more uh, videos into our cars, and being able to analyze people's behaviors. So, for instance, with our new features, people can use their phone instead of typing their answer. They can videotape themselves. For instance, you let's use a case of United. So you go into a terminal, United might say, hey, Nick wants to get to the airport. We want you to videotape your experience of going through a counter to checking, even boarding the plane, right? So we can now have all wow. that video, all that behavior. So analyze all that. That's a massive amount of data set that we can use AI machine learning to be able to really uh, become a sentiment analysis, a lot of data, data set in terms of qualitative, um, not just quantitative. Quantitative, we already have access to a lot of those data, but qualitative is where we really see the growth of Petrupa and the large scale of innovation. Right. It, it's it's almost like, because I, I know that, that the Web3 revolution is is largely, uh, it, it's largely uh, leveraging your data online, but this is almost like in real life for, for for uh, transportation, so it's kind of like an in real life version of Web three of sorts. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, Web three is rewarding users because you know it's different from Web two, where all the money, all the power was. We've seen uh, this Russia, I mean, Russia company and these social media companies. They do everything; they are the only one getting the reward. So now with Petrupa, we're telling, hey, you know what? Why should you watch a free ad on TV? about Google new iPhone or Google, I mean, Google new Pixel phone or new Apple phone, I sh you should pay me to watch that, right? So you want my feedback about that? Pay me to watch that. I'm willing to share that with you. Um, so I think that's a, that's a good thing about the Web3 is now taking that, is going back to democratic, uh, democratization again, right? Yeah. So it's, it's now giving power to the user. Same thing with the cost of energy is going to be giving power to the consumer Petripa also going to be giving power to the consumer in terms of what they do with their data, who do they want to be targeted to, who do they want to share the information with. Got it, got it. And in fact, we just added new features as well, and we finished the testing, is called call to action. So with a call to action, that's one of the big features a lot of customers have asked how to add to customer to Petripa is that you do your, your, your initial activity, you watch a video, now the partner can ask you to do something. The partner can say, hey, can you share your phone number and email address we have? We'll give you an extra $5 or $10, mm. right? So then if you say yes, we share, Petrupa share your phone number, email address with partner, and you get an extra signed dollars. Or if you're Hilton, for instance, and you sponsor a trip, or you can say, hey, at the hand, you can have a call to action. So now that you watch that video about Hilton, will you be interested in signing up for Hilton Honor? So if you say, if you say yes, we have that embedded into the app, you sign up right there, over there, and then you get maybe 1,000 Hilton Honor points. So that's a cool feature we're just adding, and we finally we're testing now. We're really, really excited about if any partner want to be uh, we're looking for a sponsorship partner to kind of work with us as well. So anyone is interested in working with us, let me know. I'd be happy to uh, get that conversation started. Well, the, the, the future is bright for uh, you and Nena and the, and the Paytripa team. How much does this cost? Because we, you know, we always want to be valuable to our guests, to our community. Right. In fact, that's, that's the, the, the ethos and the foundation of, of Silicon Zombies. Um, so if, if somebody in the audience is hearing this, they're like, well, hey, I'm, I'm in the marketing department and we're looking for unique ways to connect with new customers, new prospects, or get a deeper understanding of, of how users interact with our products or service. How much does, uh, how much does something like this cost? Sure, uh, good question. So right now the cost is pretty affordable, so way below market value for this. Uh, the minimum amount for a video sponsorship is $2.50 per sponsor, meaning if so, anyone want to try Petrupa and we have a minimum of 100 sponsorship order, and we'd like, love to get three months as lead contract. So for $250 per month, you can start Petrupa. 
if you want to do one of the service sponsorship the minimum is seven dollars uh, per sponsorship so uh, for $700 you can get 700 sponsorships so just, just to give an idea usually that's probably 20 dollars in other platform as well mm. so uh, yes so if you want to try as well the video capture as well that's 20 dollars per sponsorship as well with a minimum of 100 sponsorship of course you're all flexible in terms of uh, depending on the use cases right right well, it certainly sounds like you you guys got the tiger by the tail, and you, you just hired a, a couple new folks on the on the sales team. Is that right? Yes. Uh, in fact, this week we hired three sales, uh, three folks in the team. So we plan to bring in two more, five. So we plan to be really, really aggressive. We have a great platform, an excellent team. So we really look into also add some grow hacking user as well. So we're going to be adding a lot of, and going back to the question of Peter has asked earlier, I think we felt like we had a point where we can put a little more energy on both sides, both supply side and demand side. So uh, we're really excited and we're looking to sign a lot of part, new partners this month until the end of the year. And you also need or uh, looking to add a lot of new users to the platform. Great. Well, it sounds like a, a wonderful opportunity for an early stage investor. What, uh, what does your ideal investor look like, Musa? Because I, I know you're you're in the in the seed rate, uh, seed stage round. Yeah, so we're looking for pre-seed, uh, seed stage, depending on how you qualify. So we're looking to raise 1.5 million. The good thing about Petrupar, um, but so far we've been uh, fully bootstrapped. So we have we done tremendous. We very lean team, work hard, and we're in a great position. And I think with little money, we can we can go a long way where we are right now. Beautiful. And uh, as as we wrap things up here, um, I'm curious, what is your passion around physics? Like, how did you get into science? Oh man, <laughs> that, <laughs> that got into it. Well, you gotta go back to memories, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, I always love education. I always try to work hard and to help my parents. That was one of my initial dreams. But I used to go to school a lot. But I wasn't really doing that well in school. And until one day that we had a test and everyone, my friend, all of my friends passed the test and I was the only one to fail. That kind of just triggered something in my head. Mm. All a second, what's going on here? I know him. I know her. I don't see any level way they're smarter than I. So why they're passing and I'm failing? Since that day, I never fail again. Wow. I went from being a, a failed student to absolutely best student. Um, the following year, I, I won a physics and math competition. I was the best in physics and math. So um, wow. so I, I really, and I always love science, right? So, But I, I, I wasn't good at it. Because that's the problem with Africa. The big problem we have in Africa, the education system is not really designed to help students, right? So the moment, for instance, give you an, just a short parenthesis, you know, I think this year in Ivory Coast school is starting this week, and there's a student who fails, did not get a passing grade, would be sent home, will be rejected from school. I don't mean just fail for one year. Literally, they're going to be sending this kid to school. Think about a system that's pushing 10, 9, 12-year-olds to say you are not good enough. Wow. Think yeah. about it, right? And, and I was one of those. I've failed many times, and the only reason I am where I am, my parents believe in me too, until I get to the point where I start to believe in myself, and I, I discover that I'm as good as anybody else. The moment I thought that I'm as good as anybody else, I started working extremely hard. My midnight sleeping started when I was in middle school at that moment. At that moment, I started to sleep in middle school only two or three hours a night. So it was failure was not an option. Wow. I must have to succeed. And, but today I still don't sleep a lot for, for that. And so, and I start to love physics. I love the science. I love philosophy, uh, but physics is my number one passion, really, if it comes to all the topics in schools. A, a true, uh, a true renaissance, man. Well, well, we believe in you as well, Musa. So what a, what a wonderful treat it was to, to have you on the show today. Um, and, and definitely check out paytripa.com. That's P-A-Y-T-R-I-P-P-A.com. And a quick shout out to Nicodex, our, our sponsor. Again, when it comes to building digital products, um, there, there are a lot of questions to consider, like who's on your team? Is it outsourced? 
If so, it's probably half the cost, but do they have the right expertise? This is where Nicodex comes in, who has, per, who has perfected the bot method, build, operate, transfer, with a, a solid track record over seven years that's, that speaks for itself. So super excited to, uh, to have Musa on today, and thank you so much. Tune in next week to Silicon Zombies, where we'll have the best brains in the Bay. And until then, take care of yourselves and take care of each other.